Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Youth Thought Sports Podcast. Today, we're talking Formula One, as we like to do from time to time, and specifically about the new season of Drive to Survive, which was released Friday, March 11th. It's Saturday, March 12th, and Jared and I have already finished all of it, <laughs> and we're ready to talk to you about it. So, Indeed. how are you feeling about it, Jared, so far? We'll get into some depth, but um, just overall thoughts, right, to start off. I think they did a great job. I think they did a great job overall. Season three, I thought, I've said before on this podcast, was very disappointing. And they Mm -hmm. focused on, like, too much manufactured beef, essentially. Yeah. This season, they did a really good... Obviously, they had great material, but they did a really good job. I think it's their best season yet, personally. What do you think, I think so, too. I really enjoyed it. I think... We'll get into the more depth of it later, but I think it was really, really well done. And the fact that there was Max and Lewis, like you referenced before... Helped a lot, I think, because that was basically four of the six episodes were just Max and Lewis stuff. But to sort of start uh, looking at overall Drive to Survive, what we thought, we're going to play a little game called Green Light, Yellow Light, Red Light. So first, Jared and I will give green lights to certain aspects of the series, parts of the show we thought they did well, and should continue to be done into the future. Second, we're going to do give yellow lights to certain aspects of the series, so parts we think were okay, but maybe they should slow down on reel back a little for the future and finally we're going to give red lights to parts of the series or things that they should never do again but we'll start on a positive note jared what are your green lights for the season of drive to survive my first green light is they did a really great job setting up the title fight in the first episode and the and just the narrative that it's always mercedes and we think maybe a team has a chance but it's always mercedes at the start um but then showing that it actually looks like there might be a legitimate challenger here in Red Bull this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, that, in in testing, like, it's undrivable, potentially. The Mercedes is. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, too, like, I like how they put in those, like, little kernels of seeds of doubt as you, like, sort of creeped up and up mm-hmm. and up. And I think they did just, like, a really good job. That was my number one thing, too, for my biggest green light. It just I think they did a really good job of framing the title fight from the start, especially the way they always do it through Toto and Horner. Like, I think... You know, yeah. you got sort of like Twitter's always sort of confident and cool and like kind of collected and Horner's like really obviously like the scrappy one, like pushing and fighting to like sort of dethrone Mercedes. And I think every narrative you get about the two teams, you sort of get through them as well. Absolutely. Especially since we'll get into this later, Max didn't participate. You need Christian essentially to be like Max's voice in a way. Um, yeah. The second green light for me, I think they really needed to do this in this season and rectify mm-hmm. this, is clarifying that Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris are actually friends, yes. that there's no beef between them that they tried to manufacture in the last season. I thought it was a huge mistake of last season, making it look like maybe not a full-on beef, but that they had a rivalry and that their relationship was uneasy, which is totally not the case. Um, and you can you can see via the footage that there's mm-hmm. no rivalry there. It's friendship and respect is what's there. I think that the whole second episode was great in terms of... I thought they did a pretty smart job of establishing when they gave time to McLaren, they also gave time to Ferrari mm-hmm. because that was the other battle, the other main battle going on in terms of constructors was McLaren-Ferrari. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the fact that just like everything we've ever heard about Carlos Lando has been that they've been like really good friends and like the bromance and everything like that and they just like manufactured the beef last year always sort of bugged me, but... I'm not as big a fan of how they did McLaren and Ferrari. We'll get into that in our, oh. in our yellow okay. and everything. But good. Okay. Noted. Some, some good disagreement. Um, yes. Yeah, I got a couple more. The The entire Haas episode I thought was amazing. I thought the, f- the first four episodes in general were superb. Mm-hmm. 
And honestly, I think the Haas episode might have been the best one. Gunther Steiner is just out here hustling for Gene Haas, mm-hmm. trying to keep this team afloat, <laughs> posing with freaking furniture models or whatever it was in that mm-hmm. episode with Mick. And then having to deal with Mazepin's dad, which looked really stressful. <laughs> yeah. And then, not only that, but Mazepin breaking all their cars, yeah. asking for his own car, uh-huh. blaming the team for his poor performance, and overall just being looked at as like kind of a terrible teammate, and everybody was afraid of saying something to him. So seeing this now, it's no surprise that Haas wanted to move on from him, actually. No, they just made him seem so, not seem, he was just like so whiny at like every single stage. Like if I could like just sort of epitomize how I think Mazepin was portrayed was like just in that instance, he seemed like so whiny in every single like little interaction they had and having to deal with his dad and the withdrawing of the funding possibly. And speaking of which, I looked into this because uh, Kali is no longer a sponsor because of Russia invading Ukraine and everything. But they already got most of the money for this year, Haas did, and they're just not giving it back. Oh my goodness. So, so I was curious to like how they were funding themselves this year with losing that funding, but apparently like all the money had like already been transferred. So they're just like keeping it, which wow. that's another <laughs> whole level to the storyline as well. Season five we'll see some of that maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, I wanna throw in another green light too. I think they did the George Russell storyline very well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think like you know, the first ep- there was sort of like I think two main Russell episodes there was like the Williams Russell episode and then there was the like him and Bata's, um sort of feud to him t- Russell taking the Mercedes seat episode I think that was a really nice progression how it was done like in the first one you got like the history and the context of his relationship with Williams and you got like how much it meant to him to like build up to finally getting points and just like how that all played with like the history of Williams and their like fall from grace. Like I think that was really good storytelling. But then they he sort of gets separated from Williams in the second episode they do on him and they make him yeah. more of like his own fleshed out character. And you see like how the rivalry happens, how a lot of how Toto's debate um, over Valtteri versus uh, Russell and who would get the seat. And I think that like he sort of emerged then as like sort of the heir apparent. And I'll talk about that. A little bit later when we discuss the characters more in depth but i think um they did a really nice job of like framing him in the context of a team to moving him to being an individual to moving him to being like the next star like i think it was really good storytelling how we were sort of exposed to george russell definitely agree that was my next one is finally covering the ross the russell Bottas beef mm-hmm. i think in general season four did a good job of rectifying their mistakes from season three in reference again to the Lando and Carlos manufacturing that beef instead of covering the very real tension that there was between Bottas and Russell. And they rectify that obviously by focusing on what happened this season, but they went back to 2020 when George Russell got an opportunity in a Mercedes and he should have won. He would have beat Bottas most likely uh, without the puncture. So that was another green light for me for sure yeah good context providing all right that covers all my green lights do you have any more i got two more okay first one uh my first of the last two is the qatar the qatar grand prix when they when they just glossed over the brazil the brazilian grand prix i was a little bit worried Mm -hmm. because the qatar grand prix the race itself was pretty boring yeah but the brazilian grand prix was very exciting when lewis overcame like i think 25 grid place penalties Mm -hmm. and still won and Max and Lewis went wheel to wheel. Obviously, they showed it, but it wasn't a big focus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why are they putting so much time into Qatar? Mm-hmm. But they had really good, amazing footage of Lewis and his team 
mm-hmm. reviewing the data and like, did you see? Did you guys see that Max didn't show slow uh-huh. down for these double yellows? I was like, that's great. Yeah. And the war of words escalating uh-huh. between Toto and like Toto being like so annoyed with Christian, be like, this guy mm-hmm. just needs to shut up. And Christian yes. doing the same. <laughs> it was it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like that. I thought that was one of the best, like sort of like in depth, like behind the scenes of the sport that like I'd never really seen was like specifically like that whole process of how them like challenging what Max did with the double yellows works because like yeah. and like Lewis coming to terms, sort of like you mentioned with it. I thought it was really really well done. Yeah, and then my last green flag is the impatient bosses, particularly I'm thinking of Alpine CEO Laurent Rossi and mm-hmm. the Darlton Capital people. Yeah. making uh making like williams look like all right we're kind of under pressure to actually be doing anything to be actually be doing stuff now mm-hmm. i thought that was a good little flair just because like as a formula one fan we don't see them that much so they can kind of yeah they're like these impatient <laughs> investors yeah. that want to see results from the team and like showing that there's real stakes and pressure in formula one yeah. uh, i thought was pretty good too no i thought that was very well done as well yeah um but with that well, we're gonna move on to our yellows and I think I might start here just because yes. one of mine directly relates to what Jared mentioned earlier. Okay. So I think we got a little bit too much of the Danny Rick and Lando beef. Um, oh, okay. Um, I realize, uh, I think, that like going in, like people thought it was going to go well and maybe it didn't go well as they expected. But I feel like we got a little too much of that story, honestly, of just like how upfront the Lando and Danny Rick beef was, especially because I feel like I didn't hear a lot about that throughout the whole season and maybe that's just because you know they kept tight lips on it they didn't want to be revealed but i feel like it took away from some more interesting aspects of what happened with mclaren this season especially um their battle with ferrari like i don't think there was enough of their battle with ferrari in there and i think we didn't get enough depth into ferrari this season generally Um, and so i think that like by framing like i think it was important to have like one of the other centerpieces of the series be that mclaren ferrari duel and how the personalities of the individual drivers played in but i think by focusing on the danny rick and lando beef we didn't get enough of like the rest of the context of it and get enough of carlos this season or charles Leclerc. like i I think both of them were just sort of like honestly background characters this season when i think their dynamic and relationship and how they sort of like really succeeded in a lot of ways this season was one of the more compelling storyline so while you know i'm a mclaren fan i think that like there was a little too much focus there on a little bit of maybe tiny bit manufactured drama as opposed to like there are more interesting aspects of that fight overall like i'm glad that they framed it in that way that's why i'm giving it a yellow light like i think the mclaren uh ferrari duel is the correct way to frame it but i just wish like the points of focus there had been a little bit different yeah i agree one of my yellow lights as well is I wanted more Ferrari and that yeah. we didn't get a real peek behind the curtain with either Charles or Carlos. A mm-hmm. little bit in Monaco, but they definitely felt much more distant than the rest of the drivers that were featured. I didn't have too much of a problem with how much time was spent on the tension between Daniel and Lando because it, from the footage, it actually did seem kind of genuine. I do remember mm-hmm. Lando saying like, yeah, me and Daniel aren't best friends like me and Carlos mm-hmm. were. I know people were expecting that to happen. But yeah. then uh, there were a couple times where Lando was, was kind of cold and I, yeah. and uh, like just not responding to stuff. And I was like, oh, I thought he would take that as a joke, but he was kind of cold. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand uh, that opinion. I didn't, I didn't mind it too much either, though. Okay, that's fair. That's my only yellow I have because I think I really like most of it. 
And then I, this was a slight, just like adjustment in tone I had. And then I have some okay. things I didn't like later, more so things. But what about what other yellows do you have? Um, they reused a lot of footage. They okay. showed the Hungarian Grand Prix crash like mm-hmm. five times. They could have focused on maybe a couple other races or something. Mm-hmm. I thought they spent a little bit too much time on or focus on Bahrain, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I understand it's the first race, but maybe they could have spent that time elsewhere and. They always they would always like when they go to a track they they do like a little family segment mm. or whatever where you're hanging out or off the track, yeah. and they go to the track and everybody's like we're playing ping pong they're all joking with each other mm-hmm. they did that too much it's like okay we get the like camaraderie or whatever <laughs> yeah. in Formula One but but it's like not that big of a deal and then my last yellow light mm. is I wanted I wish we could add a little bit more Pierre Gasly I understand why mm. they didn't have him that much. Which is why it's in my yellow light category, not red light, because mm. his arc is less clear now, just because he he just kept on doing well. He yeah. it, there's nothing, and then like what's next for him? He's all right, just another mm-hmm. season AlphaTauri. So yeah, those are I actually had the uh, the reusing footage in my red lights. Like I all think right, it was just it, it. at some point it got a little repetitive. Like there's at one point I think I forget which Grand Prix it was at. I didn't go back and fully watch all of them the episodes um yeah. but i didn't know but they showed the same clip of checo like to start two different episodes like it wasn't even like the same like camaraderie <laughs> thing but it was the exact same clip of like the, the cameras are on him and he's like oh like why are all the cameras on me yeah no that, i remember that yes yeah. mm-hmm. he's the exact same thing in two episodes and i remember seeing I remember that being that. like there had to have been four better seconds of footage somewhere over the course that like you didn't have to reuse so that was my one red light just like i think they did reuse footage and focus a little bit too much on some things where they could have expanded out a little bit. One thing I mentioned that I wish they had shown more footage of, and you alluded to it earlier, was Brazil. I think Brazil is a super compelling and interesting race this year. Yeah, but like you said, Lewis had 25 total place grid penalties, and we just got him crossing the finish line there. Like I think like that's like a really big moment, too, in the championship fight, like showing like how he slowly worked his way back into it, and especially with this. Yeah. And, you know, I would have preferred that as opposed to like I think we saw like Silverstone's obviously important, but I think we saw that like a decent number of times as well. Yeah, I would have loved, I would have loved like ten minutes on Brazil in there as opposed to that. So that's one of my red lights. The other one is I didn't really need the Ocon Sonoda episode that they had. Oh, okay. Framed framed as it was. Um I think both okay. of those like I think maybe they should have been mentioned, but I didn't like the framing of it. Like I think like the rookie framing wasn't as interesting as some other things. Like I think they alluded to it in the episode, but I would have liked to see like the relationship between each of them and their more experienced teammates and how that played out. I think that would have been a more interesting framing of it. And I think the fact that they spent a whole episode on it, um, I don't know. I just don't think Ocon's that interesting of a character necessarily. Like I think he's a good guy. He's a race winner. He seems to like love his family and everything. Like I think that's cool. But I just don't think the storyline there is necessarily that interesting. Like he made his comeback and everything, but that wasn't even this year. That was like the previous year, and he won a race. Like I'm glad that we got his race went in there but i would have preferred more from aston martin especially this year i think that they just got completely left out in a way that it did hurt the series like i think they had really interesting storylines this year in which like they signed a former world champion and Vettel, and they very clearly regressed this year as well and we just got like pretty much nothing from them so i would have reframed sort of all of that and just like focus a little bit less on ocon and sonoda and more on aston martin and Battle and Stroll and how all that played out this year. I think that's fair. I think um, the first, for me, yeah, the first four episodes were really good, and the last, I think, three were really good from the Bottas-Russell episode, and then the last two were just, like, the title fight, essentially. Mm-hmm. It did lull a little bit when it was the Sonoda episode, the Williams episode, the 
they, they did a, like another McLaren Ferrari episode mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so I, I agree with that, but I liked seeing a lot of Yuki and like, mm-hmm. and it kind of how he was like, uh, they portrayed him as lazy and uh, we'll yeah. get into this later, but, yeah. um, and he was like, all right, he needs to move to, he needs to move to uh, Italy. Like Milton Keynes mm-hmm. is, is too boring. He needs to come over to Italy and stuff. Yeah. I liked seeing that. And then at the end, we'll talk about him later, but I liked seeing that transformation. I agree that Ocon's a little boring too, but, um, yeah, the Aston Martin omission for sure. Like. I mean, they also were complaining about the regulations at the start of the year, saying that they were unfairly targeted, basically, by yeah. the tampering and the regulations. They could have focused on that. Lawrence Stroll is a great, like, figure and character and, like, has a good persona. They mm-hmm. got rid of... There must have been some interesting tension between yeah. him and Otmar because they ended up letting Otmar go and getting and hiring a new team principal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely... I didn't need... I don't need to see, like... Uh, they were like the only team other than Alfa Romeo we didn't get anything from, but Alfa Romeo was really boring. So that's yeah, we've like that's never fun. gotten anything from Alfa Romeo. We, yeah, like we the entire his, I think there was like a half an episode on Giovinazzi like in season three, and that's yeah, like, something yeah. like that. But um, the other, do you have more red lights? Go ahead. No, those are mine. Okay, there was almost no. This is my biggest red light. Mm-hmm. There's no coverage of the aftermath of the title fight. Almost none. In yes. Okay. Opinion. I was gonna mention that. I completely forgot to mention that. Yeah. It's like we got like two minutes at the end. We got like well, one soundbite from Horner, one soundbite from Toto, and that's like it. Yeah. Like I wish there had been much more coverage of that. Yeah. I I was like Netflix has got to have some amazing footage of Christian mm-hmm. and Toto like in the waiting in some sort of waiting room waiting mm-hmm. for the stewards, or them even just them like literally walking to the stewards or or toto and the mercedes team deliberating about what they're going to mm-hmm. do more we had none of that i'm assuming mercedes didn't want that in there or something so they didn't yeah. look like sore losers maybe that's why it was cut but um yeah i was pretty disappointed in that it was the ending was anticlimactic if you did if you already knew the outcome and you were like mm-hmm. oh how do they i want to see the behind the scenes of it and stuff i pretty much saw i didn't think i see I saw anything really new you know that I that we haven't seen already, so that was an anticlimactic for me. Yeah, it was pretty much just like we got like Will Buxton explaining why it was weird that they did that, and then we got like I think it was Carlos and uh, Lance Stroll just being like, "This is weird," yeah. and then like he crossed the finish line, and there were like three minutes left in the episode, and we got like a little celebration, and then just like a soundbite from Horner and from Toto, and that was like it. Like yeah. I remember like when when Max crossed the finish line to win, I remember like looking like how much time was left in the episode, and there were like three and a half minutes, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's going to happen? Like, exactly. how do they wrap this up? So Yeah, all we got from Toto was was there's going to be scars from the way this was handled, and then him mm-hmm. and the turtleneck at the end being like, everybody has a target on their back next season, which was a co- good last line, but... I thought that too. I yeah. wish they would have... They just should have spent way more time on that because there was a huge opportunity there for giving people that already watch Formula One mm-hmm. more of an insight into what happened. And yeah, that was I think a missed opportunity. Was maybe the most interesting um like aspect of everything that happened this whole season too it was so, like, yeah. I, it was no, and the fact no. that we got like three total minutes on it is crazy so yeah i don't know Agreed. we'll see but i think we'll do you have any more red lights no that's it for me do you have any more no that's it for me okay good all right so we'll wrap up that little segment there and we'll move on um to our next uh segment and to quote William Shakespeare, who once said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. And we think this statement rings especially true in this year's Drive to Survive, where each person we feel like was cast into a pretty distinct role for the purpose of this show. So we're going to go through eight of the main characters, people who got a lot of screen time, 
to describe what we think their role was um, in this season. So I'll start yeah. with Toto Wolf, um, and I'm going to cast him, or I think they cast him as the stoic hero at the top of his game. I think he got okay. a very favorable edit this year. Um, he always appeared very calm and collected, aside from the end of the season, obviously, but I think you know with everything that had built up to it, you were supposed to see that kind of as justified. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he had put in all the work, they worked their way all the way back, and then, you know, the race stewards and Michael Massey are seen to, they basically screwed him. So, like, his, his anger is, like, righteous and justified, I think, is the way they portrayed it. Plus, he just seemed much more confident than Horner. Like, I think he described him once as, like, a little dog who was, like, nipping at his heels. Yeah, Jack, I think, like, Jack Russell Terrier. Jack Russell Terrier. What it was, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I think that was just, like, the perfect description, too, of how they portrayed them. Like, Toto is, like, I don't know. He's confident. He doesn't easily get flustered. Like, I think, you know, he just sort of, like, deflects all the comments from Horner about, like, how he's just, like, a finances guy and stuff like that. Yeah, that and was think, interesting. Yeah, and so they just show him as sort of, like, stoic and unmoved. Um, I think he was portrayed in a much better light than Horner was this year. And you also got to see his family um, this year, too. So that kind of, like, humanizes him. Like, he's not only a Agreed. hero, but, like, you know, you get to. There's a lot of interviews with his wife Susie, who's also super cool, and I thought it was like a really good addition to the series, especially. Yeah, a really good addition. She's also such like a big power broker for Mercedes as well, so I think showing that was cool, and like all the little interactions that he had with his son, like FaceTiming with him or you know playing with him at breakfast or whatever. So I thought Toto Wolf got a really good edit. It's just sort of like the hero. He's at the top of his game, and at the end, he just sort of gets like unjustly maligned. Yeah. I think that's fair. I the, I didn't. St- that's a good way to phrase it. I wrote down puppet master actually. <laughs> oh, that's a good one as well. Because uh, he definitely is portrayed as like <clears throat> the same way you said. He's just like in total control of mm-hmm. his environment and like kind of F one in general in terms of how many drivers he manages and stuff too. But I'm, I'm I'll go on the next character, which was Christian Horner. Mm-hmm. I think when we were doing predictions, he I said he would be like the protagonist, mm-hmm. and I think. He's not quite the protagonist, but he's the front man, I would say, for the series. Mm-hmm. The the word the phrase I wrote was the the whiny and ruthless aristocrat was what I wrote. I like that. I think so, that's a good one. <laughs> like he he's a front man, he's a good front man, I think, and a good ambassador for F one because like he and his wife, Jerry Horner, aka Ginger Spice from the Spice Girls, mm-hmm. are like the definition of a power couple and good looking mm-hmm. couple. Mm-hmm. Christian is really well spoken and the way he speaks seems to lend itself to the sorts of dramatic phrases and cuts they want to do mm-hmm. on yes. the show but i don't think he's a protagonist just because he doesn't compl- he complains a lot more like you mm-hmm. said and when the silverstone crash happened for example i don't think they showed any of mercedes lobby in their case which mm-hmm. did happen like we didn't see the toto wolf scene michael did you get my email that i sent you during the uh-huh. race and he's like i don't yeah. check my email during the race um but all, all it was was red bull lobbying basically so mm-hmm. they did make him look he, I would say he probably does complain more as well, but they made yeah. it look like that for sure. And in some ways, like, he is a 100% like a modern-day aristocrat, and, like, that's mm-hmm. a little less relatable. Like, he's riding horses. He's yeah. doing skeet shooting. He has a huge plot of land in Oxfordshire. Like, that just <laughs> screams like aristocrat, which, yeah. you know, power to him. Like, he, I'm sure, I don't know what his background is, actually, but he's he is accomplished. You know, he earned a lot of what he what he has, so. And I think in general, in the interviews, he kills it, but he seems a little stiff in conversations with members of his team. And even, like, Max, he's, like, all he talks about is, like, Mm -hmm. he just has, like, stiff conversations, it seems like. But 
yeah he just seems like very like single-mindedly focused on racing in every way and i think he is just portrayed as a little best little less relatable than toto is in a lot of ways and i think like you mentioned it with like his hobbies are all like the the excess of wealth hobbies like the riding the horses and the skeet shooting Mm -hmm. and like yeah i just think he's portrayed to be a little bit less relatable and sort of sympathetic of a character than wolf is and i don't know to what extent that's editing or to what extent that's just like who he is but like yeah no i I mean i would want to get i would want to get a beer with him and toto i would like love to like just be like just learn more about him like what motivates him and stuff but yeah yeah he's he's stiff he's a little stiffer in a way what about uh what about lando norris so i think he he got a pretty negative edit this season the words i had down were cocky young punk is how i think they portrayed him this season um I think they kind of portrayed him as like kind of like uh like kind of immature and like always talking about like how he wanted to beat Dan- Danny Rick and how he thought he was better and like how all his joy came from just beating his teammate. I think that's like a relatively negative portrayal especially when you compare it to like other people who got like very favorable edits for their team. This season like Checo got a really good one for the last race about like doing things for Max. Bottas got a really good one for like even though he was out of Mercedes, um he was like, you know, doing what he needed to so they could win the constructors. And George Russell, too, who I'll mention later, I think got a very favorable edit for his team stuff, too, when he's like, I'll do anything for Nikki so that, like, points are most important mm. for Williams and not where I finish. Mm. Versus how they portrayed Lando was just like, oh, I want to be better than my teammate. Like, you always want to be better than your teammate and stuff like that. They did also, like, spend a decent amount of time on that, like, how he has no sympathy towards uh, Daniel Ricardo as well, which I thought sort of yeah. played into that narrative. And finally, it was just, like, a little moment, but... There was a little, he was talking to some McLaren team member and they're like, put on your mask. And he's like, you can't tell me what to do or whatever. I don't know if you remember that happening. I think that was. I like, remember that. It was like the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why would you include that if not to like be like, oh, this is kind of like a bratty kid who like doesn't want to know what to do. <laughs> so I feel like that sort of played okay. into it um, as well. And then even though he did better than Danny Rick this season, I feel like Danny Rick was portrayed as the much more sympathetic character this season because he like overcame adversity and he won the race versus like Lando had like an excellent season. But he was just sort of portrayed as like cocky and like antagonistic to his teammate. So that's how I saw him overall. I think it's a good thesis uh, with the evidence. I, I didn't. <laughs> I honestly like that's not what I got. Mm-hmm. But if you when you like use the evidence, I'm like, yeah, okay, I see that. Mm-hmm. I just wrote no more, no more, Mister Nice Guy, and he was just yeah. cold. I think that's a good way to put it too. Where it might not have been as like overtly negative as I was putting it, but like. He just like become more. He's not like fun Lando anymore. He's like, yeah, like, when did it all cost Lando at this point? Well, because for him too, outside of the context of Drive to Survive, mm-hmm. um, well, I guess you could see this maybe in the previous seasons, but he he has not technically beaten his teammate until this year, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. didn't like he didn't beat Carlos both years of McLaren, mm-hmm. and then Daniel Rick, who like had won races. I think he was kind of yeah. like everybody expects Daniel Ricardo to be me. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he just got like put more of a front on, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, speaking of Daniel Ricardo, you're up next to give us a little characterization of him. How do you think they portrayed him this year? I said the the humbled braggart turned comeback kid. I think oh, okay. Daniel is another front man that Netflix has identified as an ambassador for F one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a really vibrant personality, but when you do have that vibrant of a personality, the difference between you being confident and your confidence being shaken is really big. Mm-hmm. So like they're going to they're going to probe into that difference a little bit, you know, and like they do this in interviews where when they're struggling, like and it, it, they do this in a lot of sports interviews. If somebody is struggling, 
um, mm-hmm. and they answer a question and be like, I'm still confident in my abilities. Mm-hmm. They like freeze. They still like keep the camera on him for a little bit while there. He's just like nodding. Like, mm-hmm. is he really confident in his abilities or is he just saying yeah. that? Um, so they humble them like quite a bit in the second episode. Mm-hmm. But then in the fifth episode, when they went back to the Monza, essentially, they sort of turned like Zach Brown and Andreas Seidel into like a faux antagonist in a way. They were like, we need Daniel mm-hmm. to show up. Like they're, they're putting some pressure on him. But then mm-hmm. Daniel wins. And I think McLaren came off really well. Like Andreas Seidel is like, I wasn't surprised. Like this is the Daniel we signed up for. We signed mm-hmm. up and we knew he would show up eventually. It just took a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Drive to Survive actually in general has coincided really nicely with McLaren's like ascent right mm-hmm. now from a failing brand to now they're on the cusp maybe of making the next step to joining like a real fight and winning races consistently. So, yeah. But like they didn't, and think about this, they basically didn't even, I would, I would think if you didn't watch this season, you might think that McLaren beat Ferrari in the constructors, which is not the case. I, they I didn't even mention one, that. That's one thing I, I mentioned to in my notes that I forgot to mention during my yellow light, red light thing. It's like, I think we I, we never got a resolution to that storyline, which was also sort yeah, of we my didn't. discussion where it's like, yeah, Ferrari ended up winning that fight, but we didn't get as much of it. But yeah, I think that's like the perfect characterization of, characterization of him this season. Like, sort of like... Especially if you watch all four seasons of Drive to Survive in context, like I think you're right. He's very clearly one of the protagonists, and like seeing him humbled, especially this year, to all the way uh, winning a race despite everything, I think was like sort of core to like the storytelling this year as well. Yeah. Speaking of another conflict, we didn't get resolution to is the the Alpine Alpha Tori uh, mm-hmm. um, rivalry. One of the protagonists there, Yuki Sonoda. How do you think he was characterized? I think he was portrayed as like the immature kid. Like I think that was like the absolute. Like I, I think he also got a pretty negative overall element and or edited. Oh, okay. There were just so many elements of that. I think like it was like I mean, Bruchamis were like fun loving and everything in the beginning, but there were just like so many things. I think they like consistently do to like reinforce that he's like Im- like an immature kid almost. And it's like okay, there's like yeah. the fart jokes, and there's like the not wanting to train, and him being lazy, and there's the him being like forced to go to like finishing school in Italy is like a, a way that I think that they like portray it. Um, yeah. They show his dirty apartment and how he like hasn't done laundry and yeah. stuff like that. And it's just like, and then his like, and sort of coupled all that with like his performance on the track where he seems to like lose his school. So I think like the overarching narrative for Yuki, like, well, he's like a fun character was that he's just like immature. Well, they all say that he has potential. I think the main focus was on his immaturity because you don't really get to see like, there's very brief references to it. Like we talked about his P8 and qualifying and Abu Dhabi but you don't see that like he did actually improve like towards the end of the year like it wasn't huge dramatic improvement but he did improve so I think like just because like the main focus of his narrative was like early on on that immaturity um, I think that's how he sort of got cast overall again good evidence and good thesis for sure Mm -hmm. I I didn't initially think that I thought it wasn't like that bad it was like but yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't have that much written for him. I just put firecracker. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to do that. And I think like I think he is a likable character. But I just think in like the way they portrayed him, like I just think that like a lot of it sort of like fed into this more negative narrative. Like when I like yeah, no, that's fair. When he was like complaining about like running and stuff when they were in Italy, I'm like, oh, he seems like he's like 14 or something. I think it's like <laughs> yeah. how they they wanted to make it seem and stuff. So even though I'm sure that's not actually how he generally acts in real life and stuff. But. If you yeah. if you uh. 
If you don't think Formula One drivers are athletes, that episode gave you a lot of ammunition. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of the person, speaking of Sonoda, the person he was paired with basically for his episode was Esteban Ocon. So, Jared, how do you think he was portrayed this year? Yeah, I don't. I, I just said the quiet striver. Um, he's mm-hmm. like I think French drivers, in my opinion, seem to more be more soft spoken than other drivers, yeah. in my opinion. But anytime we get to see like behind the scenes with their family, like they're an empathetic character. They did that with Gasly mm-hmm. as well, I think, in the previous yeah. season. I think though he kind of he kind of took the position that Carlos Sainz had in the last three seasons, in my opinion. We we got a lot mm-hmm. of Carlos family time in mm-hmm. the previous seasons, and that's why Carlos became my favorite driver actually. Mm-hmm. And Carlos just grinded and like he just goes to work and he's striving like, like we see it now, and I think that's the narrative they pretty much presented with Alcon as well is go to work. He's quiet about his business and he's striving, and like he got us. He's taking advantage of his second chance in F one basically. Yeah, I agree. I think he was portrayed as like exceedingly likable too. Like just like he used his like summer break to like like race like cars with his dad in their driveway as opposed to like yeah the rest of them like traveling around the world on these like lavish vacations and stuff like he just went home to france and like yeah hung out with his dad so yeah, i think it was i think the quiet strider is a good way to put it and just like he became like i feel like very likable even if not yeah. the most interesting of the characters yeah i think the carlos comparison is a really good one i hadn't thought about that but no. i think the, their storylines were set up very similarly yeah how about um how about george russell you've talked a lot about him already but yeah, but I call him the calm and steady heir apparent. Um, I think he was constantly portrayed in a good light and as, you know, the steady and rightful heir to, like, the next great person in the sport. Oh, yeah. So they sort of, sort of start that off with, like, the commitment he shows to his team in Williams. He talks all about their history, about, like, how they used to be one of the greatest teams. Um, and then you see how he sacrifices, I um, referenced this earlier, so that Latifi um, in Hungary can, like, get points even if it means that he doesn't and they both end up getting points and stuff but just like his comment early on but being like oh i'm gonna defend nikki was like a really just like positive portrayal like he's selfless and everything and then finally like when they do actually do get that double points finish um at hungry how he's like crying and you can just see like how much it meant to him to like finally reach that moment like he's a very sympathetic character like even if he's not winning races like he's proud of progress and the achievement they made furthermore they really highlighted his talent in qualifying at spa um, and how sort of that was the consequential moment in getting him to Mercedes. Um, I was surprised he didn't show him like on the podium. Um, and yeah, too, yeah, probably because... just because it wasn't like a real race, I guess. So like they didn't want to yeah. get into that. I don't know. But, but yeah, it would have right. involved a lot of build up and discussion of the context of all that. That you know, him qualifying second in P two, I think, was sort of enough to show like why he went to Mercedes. Um, and while they mentioned him going over to Bottas after their crash, I think they kind of downplayed it and didn't talk about it that much either. Mm. And something that I think that could have been a moment where they use that they used to portray him in a bad light. But there was like some discussion where they're like, "Oh, is he immature or whatever?" And then they just sort of moved on. After that. <laughs> so I think that sort of played into the narrative of him being that calm and steady heir apparent. And finally, they just show him as a man of the people. He's taking selfies when he's out of the town <laughs> with his girlfriend. He's showing pictures of like the underwear with his face on them. Like he's just portrayed as like sort of like nice. And like fun loving and also like a good driver and everything. So I think get a very favorable edit overall. I think that's fair. I didn't write that much for him. I, I just put younger aristocrat. Yes, <laughs> I, looks, I would <laughs> also add that as well. Uh, yeah. He's very British, but no. Yeah. All right. Your last up uh, with Valtteri Bottas. How do you think he was characterized? I put the empathetic side character, like the empathetic minor character. 
He's obviously like the focus of the Russell Bottas episode, mm-hmm. but everyone is like Toto like spends the entire time like singing his praises. Basically, I know they show that he's under pressure. They show Toto like getting on the radio and be like, "Come on, Valerie, catch these guys!" and shaking his mm-hmm. head. So he's he's kind of like the side character who he doesn't walk off into the sunset with the princess, but he yeah. does, I think, get what he wants. And that even though they show Batas in the very last episode, like kind of languishing down in like P8 at mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi, I think the lasting image for me is him and Lewis celebrating on the podium together with Lewis yeah. on the higher step, admittedly, mm-hmm. but him and Lewis on the podium together. And they kind of wrapped up the constructors at Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, and like Bottas being on the podium, snagging at with a photo finish at the line too. Like that's the more of the lasting yeah. image I think we get of Bottas. Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I so I just say like the kind of like the empathetic side character, minor character. What do you say? Yeah. No, I mean I totally agree. I think um, he just gets like a very empathetic portrayal, and I think they could have gone a lot of different ways with it. And because I think could have th- throughout the year, um, there was a lot of talk. I don't know how much of it legitimate that like you know. Mercedes was like favoring Hamilton clearly over him in a lot of instances, but they didn't really go into that as much. There was one call that Toto takes where he's like, we need to give team orders and like, we need to help Lewis now. But other than that, like they didn't get too much into the controversy of that. He was just portrayed in like an overwhelmingly positive light. It's like, yeah, you know, sometimes Good it just doesn't man. work out where you are, but you do what you can to help. So yeah, I totally it was, it was the better, guys. the better version of Scotty Pippen. That's exactly. how Scotty Pippen, <laughs> Scotty Pippen should have approached the last dance interviews, but instead he, he went through it very uh, angrily. angrily. <laughs> yes, agreed. Well, we have one last segment to wrap up talking about Drive to Survive. Um, and we just went through eight people who all feature pretty prominently in interviews and everything um, throughout Drive to Survive. But one person who did not feature prominently because he refused to participate uh, was Max Verstappen, the World Drivers Champion uh, this year, who only appeared in like clips of the whole Red Bull team or in like voiceovers from like previous interviews they had done from previous seasons of him. And I think not having him in a season where he won the World Drivers' Championship left something to be desired. So, Jared, do you think Max should be angry with his portrayal and Red Bull's portrayal this season? And do you think giving interviews would have made any bit of difference? Should Max be angry? No. I think he's been portrayed very fairly, in my opinion, in the first mm-hmm. two seasons. Um I don't think Red Bull is like necessarily portrayed badly either, in my opinion. I know that mm-hmm. Christian Horner whines a lot, but I don't think Red Bull is portrayed poorly, in my opinion. I think, yes, okay. though, him giving interviews would have made a huge difference in terms of mm-hmm. not only him being able to try to control his narrative a little bit, but also the entertainment value for a viewer. But Because mm-hmm. it makes him look like, oh, I'm superior to yeah. this Netflix show and they're manipulating my words, so I just, I'll just give them nothing. But they're yeah. still gonna find they're still gonna find stuff like, mm-hmm. and I mean, now instead of him being able to explain his position in Monza, we just get him saying that's what you get when you don't leave space, and it's like oh how that looks yeah. terrible from mm-hmm. your like your wheel was on Lewis's head, and that's yeah. what you're gonna say, you mm-hmm. know you don't check on him and stuff, it is not good. For, I don't think it's good for him. I think it would have been better if he would have, and and like. He's mad about being portrayed as an aggressive driver, but he is an aggressive driver. Yes. Like, that's uh-huh. just his style. Yeah. And honestly, I actually rewatched uh, parts of season two a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, I don't think he comes off as aggressive as he thinks in that season. Mm-hmm. In season four, he could have maybe tampered down some of his aggressiveness. But this is the other thing is publicly, he doesn't apologize for any of this stuff. He's yeah. just like, that's racing or whatever. Or like... Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do if I was if I was in Max's position where I, I kind of knew 
I won the driver's championship under like circumstances I didn't I wouldn't want to have won mm-hmm. them under, right? Like Max did not want to have to have like some yeah. weird hijinks going on to win. But but at the same time, you're a racing driver. It's not your fault that the safety car procedure got messed up. Go for your yeah. go for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But him like kind of refusing to acknowledge that like there was weird stuff going on there too as well is uh-huh. just like I don't think any any like media he does he's portraying he's like building his brand and I think he could have done a better job of trying to control his narrative if he was in if he was in this. Yeah, I think that was like my biggest issue with it as well is that like um or not my issue I guess, but like what I think hurt Maximus was like the inability to to control his own narrative. Like mm-hmm. like all the talk you got about him was mostly through Lewis, Toto and then like clips that they were able to like take from his radio yeah. throughout the show and i think none of which really portrayed him well because i even think there's a lack of like christian horner talking about him a lot as well like they'd be like oh, okay. he'd be talking about his kids like or to his kids like oh who do we want to win we want max to win but i think that like most of what like they focused on with horner was like him complaining or him talking about like how he wants to beat mercedes uh, and i don't think there was as much discussion of max as there would have been had he been in the show necessarily which mm-hmm. made like well the title felt felt super title fight felt super dramatic and like great and important i think it almost felt more of like a mercedes red bull battle than like a max and lewis battle if that makes sense so and i think had max been in the show that would have been different because we got some airtime from lewis um and i think it was like generally fine but i think the fact that like the framing of it came out to be more so mercedes red bull than max lewis I think sold Max's role a little bit short in like everything. Yeah, it did. That happened, and it, because other people were setting the narrative for him, I think it made him look a little worse. Like he got Lewis's comment about him like driving like a bully, and he doesn't have any chance to like counter that. Well, you know, I think that that's true to some extent. Like he's just a very aggressive driver. Like the narrative that was clearly set up. Like when we got the Lewis versus Max moments, where like Lewis is like, you know, like I'm the class act. You know, like I drive hard but I drive fair. Max, on the other hand, not as much. You don't get the other side of that for Max, and I think that sort of, like, hurt him as well. So, yeah, I mean, like, overall, like, I genuinely really enjoyed this season. I thought it was good, but I think Max not being there hurt not only because, like, you want to hear from one of the main title competitors, but because the framing of it focused more on the teams versus the drivers, which I thought was an interesting part of this season. Definitely, because you can't even, honestly, like, hardly root for Max if you're, like, a... Mm -hmm. A person that hadn't seen the season, let's say the the real Formula One season, yeah. Then you can't really uh, root for Max because you like barely have a face to put to the name. Honestly, like he doesn't really, yeah. You don't speak. You don't know anything about like his family or whatever. Like you see his dad yeah. stuff, but you don't get that much behind the scenes with him. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes him like more aloof than Lewis, who didn't speak yeah. to, who like didn't post anything publicly for like three months or whatever after the race. Mm-hmm. Max yeah. looks even more aloof than Lewis is and like detached from the rest of the grid. Exactly. than Lewis is, which, like, doesn't really help out that much uh, for Max. But, um... Yeah, I think, too, like, to add yeah. to that, like, you don't see, like... Like, you talked earlier about, like, the camaraderie between all the people on the grid. And you don't really see that with Max either because he's not a part mm-hmm. of it. Because, like, I think there's one scene of him talking to Checo at a party, and that's, like, the extent to which you get any interaction with him or his thoughts on anybody and anything. And that just, again, makes him feel, like he said, more detached. Yeah. So... That's gonna that's gonna wrap it up, I think, for our drive to survive review. Overall, it was very good, um, but we had some some good critical analysis there, I think. Um, if you enjoyed that, we are gonna have more Formula One coming up. We hope to. For now, the best way to support us is to subscribe on your favorite platform. 
consider giving giving us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or spotify anytime the episode title starts with pit stop you know it's formula one so that'll help you out too look out for that in the title section and stay tuned for some other news on other multimedia options um, as well and we look forward to producing some more formula one content for y'all thanks <laughs>